Okay, so we're in our new series. I'm excited about this. It's called The God First Life. And um, there's actually a book that goes along with it. We are a part of a church association. It's not like a denomination thing or anything like that. But there's a group that sort of helps you in church planting. And it's called the Association of Related Churches, or ARC is what they call it for short. And one of the pastors um, in the ARC, one of the founding uh, pastors in the ARC group, his name is Stovall Weems. He's at a church uh, called Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And he wrote a book called The God First Life. And um, we're not really going to do like his material, but he, this concept comes from that book. And, um, and so pick up that book if you're looking. I know we just <laughs> mentioned another book for you to read. But um, if you like reading, digging into this stuff, this is a really good book, especially at the beginning of the year uh, to pick up. So The God First Life. So today we're going to launch into this. Our series this month is this. It's called The God First Life. Um, the beginning of the year is significant to God. Um, it's not that God like puts his eye on it more than he does other things, but we'll talk about it here in a minute. Like a lot of pastors spend a lot of time pursuing, okay, what's God's word for this year? What is he saying in 2015? And because the scripture says that there's, there's a time and a season for everything. And so like you, um, you have to be aware of what God's doing in, in our season and in our culture and in our time. And so, um, it's important for us to always be looking what's in this season, what's in this time. And so that's kind of what we're doing here in this beginning of the year is, okay, God, we want to be in a position where what you have for us is what we're going after. We want to be on the right path. Or I've heard some people say, hey, we got to be on the right seat of the bus, be in your right position uh, for what God has. And so kind of as a church, that's what we're looking to do with this series is just say, okay, God, we want to be used by you. We want to be obedient. We want to put you first. Um, let's look at the things that we need to do to be able to do that. And so today's sermon will be pretty practical. Um, I think you guys have been around enough to know, you know, sometimes you'll just get, you know, sort of like last week, I'll just take my heart and just put it on the table. But then sometimes it'll be like today, we'll just have some practical, like, hey, here's what God says about this. And uh, we love, we love little babies in here, right? Somebody say amen. Oh, we always say this, that's Austin, our guitar player, and that's his little one. Uh, okay. I was going to say something, but then I was like, oh, I don't know if I should say, I'm allowed to say that yet. So I won't. <laughs> he knows that I'm sorry. I'm bunny trailing with him. But uh, um, so anyway, I was going to say that about little babies crying. That's a sign of health and growth, like healthy things grow, right? And so we like to hear babies and, and all that kind of stuff. We just wish Austin, Austin wouldn't pinch her as much as he does. But um, so some weeks we do the heart on our sleeve. We just put it and then some weeks it's, it's really good for us to be practical and you know, there's all the scriptures that say the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And so you got to take steps. And also scripture says, hey, if you're going to build something, you got to calculate the cost. You got to look at what it takes to do it. And so sometimes if we say, hey, God, we want to seek you. We want to put you first. We want your best in our life. We say, okay, like, what are the steps to do that? What are some things in place? People always say, oh, Christianity is so full of rules. You know, there's all these rules in Christianity. You can't, but the Bible is actually more full, full of promises for your life than it is rules. And so God's not like, oh, I want to control him and do all this. He's saying it like this. Hey, it's better if you do these things than it is to do those things. It's better for you if you do it this way. And so when we talk about the things of God or the plans of God or the ways of God, it's not like, oh, this is the way God wants you to be. A, no, this is the way God wants you to be blessed and be prosperous and, and live your best life. Amen. So i got three simple thoughts that I want to kind of communicate to you today as we're in the first of the year. And I think if we can apply these things throughout the year, you'll see growth. Um, I don't think there's anybody in here that says, hey, you know, 
this year, 2015, I'd really like to have about the same year I had last year. If we could just keep it what it was, or, you know, last year was a really good year. I could do with like a little less, you know, I don't need to have a better year. I could actually scale it back a little bit. I think all of us want to grow. All of us want to do more and see more. And, and that's how you should feel. Uh, scripture says that we should go from glory to glory. God should always be elevating us. And so with that in mind, I kind of want to look at those steps of like, hey, what are some things that we can put in place that help us elevate or grow? And the first thing is this, um, it's called the law of the first. If you're a note taker, if you're someone who takes notes, these are good things to write down. Um, I would encourage you on a Sunday to bring something that you could write on, whether it be your, your iPhone or a tablet or um, just even paper. Um, take some notes and go back and study these things out, what God is speaking to you, um, because I think it just it helps you kind of follow through. And so I love this thought. A pastor uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, his name is Stephen Furtick. He uh, is followed by a lot of people. He's a great communicator. He got up in front of his church and he kind of shocked them all with this. He said, hey, this year as a church, I think what we're going to do is we're not going to put God first. Like as a church, we should just try to not put God first. And he was like, because, you know, everybody says, you know, here's how it should lay out God first and then family and then, you know, careers and all this kind of stuff. He's like, we don't, we got to stop putting God first in that, you know, God first family. We got to stop putting God first in all that. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? And uh, his thought, which was really good was you have to put God first in all of that. It's not like God on top. And then the other categories, it's like, Hey, in every category of our life, kids, family, careers, all that kind of stuff. How in those things can we put God first? Because I think it's really easy in study to go, okay, it's my time of the day. I'm going to put God first. And I'm going to read my devotion. I'm going to do a little bit of worship. And then I took my time and I put God first. And then we sort of click into all the other areas of life and we don't really like bring God along with us. Amen. Like we go into our jobs and we do our job in this category. We sort of raise our family over in this kind of category, but it would be really impactful and important. And I think a big deal if we could say, okay, in career and money and resource and all the things that we do, how in these things am I including God and putting God first? And so I love that thought especially when you combine it with the idea of what scripture calls the law of first things. Everything in scripture that happened for the first time is significant to God. So a lot of times in all our culture, it's just a turn of the calendar or it's just another thing or whatever. But the first of many things are significant to God. It's called the law of the first things. Uh, the scripture talks about it all the time. The scripture mentions the first fruits of your increase God calls that different than just increase. The first fruits of our increase is mentioned. The firstborn of our children is oftentimes in Scripture mentioned. They say, hey, of your firstborn son or of your firstborn, because it had more significance. Not that the kid meant more or was worth more or whatever, but just the simple fact that it was the first. Even the firstborn of animals was even mentioned or highlighted in scripture more than the other. Go get the firstborn of that livestock or of that thing. Um, our first time sexually is mentioned in scripture as something that's important to God. And so the first of anything represents the total. That's why it matters to God is when we take the first of something and we devote it to God or we commit it to God, then it represents that whole thing as a total. And uh, the scripture talks about this. It says, um, well, actually get to it in a minute. That's why the scripture even mentions 10% of our income. So the first fruit of your increase. So when we tithe or when we give of our resources, they say, hey, if you give 
of your first fruits and you give that to God. Why? Because it represents the rest. So if you give of your resources, then God can bless the rest. He sort of enters into the rest. And so it represents a total. It's like giving all when you give of your first. You could say it like that. When you give of your first and your best, it's like you've given all, you've committed all. Even being here on Sunday, church being the first of your week, if you can have this mindset of like, hey, this week, we're going to commit the first day of the week to come to church and to honor God and to seek him first. I believe it can bless the rest of your week. Amen. I put an article on my Facebook today just because I saw it and thought it was funny. Um, It was true. Somebody did a study that said people who attend religious services are actually more happy people than those that don't. And uh, had like a Pharrell happy uh, song on it or a picture on it or whatever. And, and I could see why there's significance in that is because if people make an effort to come to church at the beginning of your week and start your week right, I could see where the rest of the week is blessed and you carry on as a more happy person. Amen? Yeah. And so it's not me just being the pastor like, oh, we got to get people to come to church on Sundays. I believe in these principles. I believe in the idea of the law of the first things. And so I think God's like this. Hey, I understand that you're going to have work and soccer practice and all the things of life, and you're going to have all these things that steal your time. Why don't we put together this gathering where we can come together, and the scripture says, be in fellowship and build one another, and don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. If we can be together, love on each other, honor God, if we can do that in the beginning, then, then the rest is blessed. And so I think even just this concept of church falls into the idea of the law of the first things. And so it's important to God. What we do with the first determines what happens to the rest. Romans eleven sixteen, it says, for if the fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So it's just talking about like, hey, if at the core, what you do is devoted to God, if in the beginning, if at the, at the underneath it all, if that's committed to God, if God is put first in those things, then it carries into all the other areas of your life. Somebody say that's good. I know it's practical, but these are like those little snares that just get us off track. You look back at the rest of your year and your, your last year and you're like, man, how did I get so far off over here? So, so how did I, I bet if you could trace it back, you could see where you lost priority in certain areas of your life. One of our uh, mentors growing up always said this to us, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. And so in your life, I mean, if that's the goal, if like, "Ah, I don't know what we're going to do this year, I haven't set areas that I can put God first, I haven't set specific things about how I want this year to look, well, if you haven't set anything, at the end of the year, you're going to end up with nothing. You're not going to accomplish anything. And so um, you've heard us say this often, uh, the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. And so a lot of us here, it's like, oh, we know we got to put God first and and you come and even listening to me probably right now, you're like, oh, I know this, I know this, but this is the follow through of it. It's putting it in place every day is where I think the enemy can really win or where we can get really distracted is just in the busyness. If the enemy can keep us distracted, he can keep us from our destiny. Amen. I, um, (laughs) I ditched, I think the slogan is you're supposed to ditch the dish, but I ditched cable. Uh, we've been in our house a couple weeks and uh, just so fed up with the cable company I had. And I won't say just in case anybody works for it or whatever, but just was like, ah, oh, get this thing out of here. And, um, and so anyway, but the company that I went with, I won't say them either in case you work for the other company. Um, <laughs> so I hadn't been with them for a couple years. So like I haven't had them. And so the guy was installing our stuff and he brings me the remote 
And I'm kind of an old man at heart, really. Like, I have a golden retriever. Like, I like to be an old man. And I don't know if that makes sense to you, but <laughs> that's all I can say. And so, like, I have my dog, and I like to, like, do my certain, you know, like, things that I do as, anyway, watch my programs. Jess gets mad because I call my TV shows programs. Like, oh, I got my program. <laughs> anyway, I offended half the room because you call it that now, too. Like, now you're mad at Jess. But, um, so anyway, this, so it's been a couple of years since I've been with this company, not very long. And they bring all the stuff out. And because I'm an old man, I was like, I'm going to go with that company because I know how to work the remote and I know how to work the on-screen guide and I know how to do all that. And then when they brought it, of course, guess what? It was all different. And so I was like, oh, wonderful. But the one thing that really surprised me, do you know what they added the most to it all? Distractions. Like a ton of things to take over my life. <laughs> basically. Now, instead of just pulling up the guide, you can do this on demand and you can go back seasons and you can play a game and you can do, and this guy's explaining all this stuff to me. And I'm just like, the last thing I need is more like to do distractions. And I think that's why this stuff, like culture is out to like distract you. The enemy's doing a good job of like keeping us so busy and distracted that it's easy for us to sort of move God out of first place. Like, I know we should do it. I know we should stay on it. But there's all these other great things and, uh, and fun things and appealing things and shiny things that we can be a part of. And so we kind of move God over and put those things in place. So though it's practical, it's just important for us to say, like, God, we got to stay focused because this culture is out to steal your destiny and, 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 to, and to take you off what you're really called to do. And so the law of the first things, that's why it's important, is because it's saying, hey, what are the most important things in your life? How do you prioritize those first? And when you put them first, it allows God to sort of come behind you and help you and keep those things devoted and holy. Amen? So our first can't fall into the next car or the next house or the next thing we're trying to get to or moving to that neighborhood or getting the kids in that school. If all of our priority is like getting into the next and God wants to promote us and advance us and take care of us. But if we're in that destination disease of if I get to that, then I'll be happy. If I get to that, then I'll be happy. You'll never be happy because I believe the way of being happy is keeping God first, putting God's first. You look at Abraham. We know this about Abraham. He understood the power in the law of the first things. The scripture said, hey, go get your son whom you love and, uh, and put God first in your life. And so we know the scripture says that he was called to actually sacrifice his son and he was gonna go through with it. He loaded up what he needed and he started to climb the mountain and when he got to the place where it was time to sacrifice his son, God said, whoa, I see that you're willing to put me first. Therefore, I've provided for you a ram that you can sacrifice instead. What's the picture here? What's the principle here? The principle is when you put God first, when you keep God first, it allows God to come in and be the provider in your life. Amen. So it's like, hey, I see that you were all in and that you were willing. Now it gives me the opportunity to come in and take care of your need. Same thing in our life. When we live a God first life and we say, hey, God, you're staying first. You're being at the top. You're, you're going to be what I seek first. Um, then it allows God to step in and be what he can be. The first time Jehovah Jireh, that name of God was ever mentioned, was in this case. When he was willing to say, hey, God, I'm going to give you my best and give you my all. Then God was mentioned as Jehovah Jireh, which means my provider. He put him first. I thought about other people in scripture uh, that put God first. If you think, actually, let me step back a minute. Uh, what you do now what you do now determines, I believe, what happens in June. I think like what you set now grows throughout the year. And so we got to be conscious 
of putting God first. One of the ways that you can put God first, and uh, if you've grown up in church uh, or you're going to hear this word and you're going to go, ah, because you're going to know kind of what comes with it. But one of the greatest ways I believe that you can really truly put God first is through the idea or the, the method of fasting. Uh, just for a show of hands, like it's not like a who does and who doesn't, but who, who here has fasted before? Like you've gone on a fast. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of us have this. So here, check this out. So fasting in scripture, and this is going to be really practical for you, hoping you can take it home and put this in place. We're going to be really practical through this whole thing all month. Um, you'll actually see us put up some, some documents and some articles on our Facebook page about fasting um, because fasting is such a great way to keep God first. And so here's fasting. Fasting is when you choose, you make a decision like, God, I want to either grow closer to you or maybe you say, God, I want to hear you more or I want to be in sort of a more intimate place with God. I want to push back things that distract me and I want to pursue you. Um, it's like we talked about last week. Sometimes we get really caught up in seeking the hand of God instead of seeking the face of God. And so fasting is one way. It's like, hey, God, we know your heart is to bless us, is to take care of us. But through fasting, it's saying, hey, we want to remove distractions and we want to just spend some time really focusing on you. Whatever may be distracting us, we're going to push it aside. And so fasting begins with the desire for deeper intimacy with the Lord. And so for a lot, a lot of you, you'll choose to do some type of food fast. Um, our encouragement as a church is the next 21 days, we're going to go on a fast. And so we're not requiring everybody to do it. We know that everybody's in different places. And if you do it, you're not more spiritual than the other person who maybe doesn't choose to do it. It's not that at all. What it is, is it's saying, hey, as a church, we want to be in unity. And uh, if you can't fast during the 21 days, maybe you can pray. And that'll be a way that we all are in unity over the 21 days. But for the next 21 days, we're, we're just encouraging you, hey, put God first in the way of fasting. And uh, if it can't be food, there can be other ways. I'll be totally honest with you. Um, we've done 21-day fast where it's food. We've done like just the Daniel fast is a, is a fast where you're on like fruits and vegetables and some other things. And so we've done it that way. But I've also done fasts that at this time of the year, I gave up sports which, right, like throw stones at me, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> because here's the thing, as a sports guy, I listen to sports radio, I read the sports articles, all my, my buddies, you know, I got a bunch of guys who, you know, were texting about sports and stuff. And so the food one obviously really cost, you know, that was like a sacrifice to give up food, but also giving up the sports one really cost me because it's January, which meant bowl games, which meant NFL playoff games, which meant like start a college basketball and or basketball's going on. There's all this stuff. And so really like the culmination of all these sports I watch start in January, you know, starts to happen in January. So for me to say no sports, giving it up, man, that was hard. And uh, the thing about fasting is this. If you say, oh, there's no way that I could ever give up that, that's probably the thing <laughs> that you... So I won't use words like coffee or... Facebook. Please don't fast Facebook until after our one-year anniversary. We need you to help us promote that. Um, but, but anyway, but things like that, TV, maybe you're into a show right now. You're like, oh my gosh, I could not fast this because it, maybe that's the thing. And so we're leaving it up to you, however you want to do it over 21 days. Um, you could do social media for seven days. You could do food to some degree for seven days, whatever it is. Um, we'll let you over 21 days decide. We'll be putting up, like I said, articles and things online. 
that can sort of help you navigate through it. But whatever it is, you know, social media, coffee, uh, sports, whatever those things are that you say, hey, this is going to be a sacrifice for me, encourage you, really do it. You know, because here's the thing with it is if it costs nothing to you, it's like, oh, I'm going to fast broccoli and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like, I think I should give that. If it costs nothing to you, it accomplishes nothing. Like, it's got to be your heart. It's got to be, hey, God, I really want to make a sacrifice here to be able to hear you. And what's awesome is, like the scripture said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And so if you're in a place where you're like, hey, really want to just connect with God and I really want to grow my relationship with him, seek him first and that will be added unto you. And fasting is one of those ways that you do that. Um, Fasting is so much more, like I said, than just skipping food or skipping something. It's a spiritual practice that God really meets you in and, ma- and, and matches you in. I've heard so many stories uh, of people who've gone on a fast, in, not just in Bible times. I'll actually talk about that in a minute. But just in real life, I have a pastor friend of mine who's a mentor of mine, and they couldn't have kids. They just, there was no way they were having kids. And doctors told them, there's no way, there's nothing we can do. And so for about six years, they were okay with that. Just, hey, we're not going to have kids. And they were, I think it was a church, they were at a church in Atlanta. And they went on a 21-day fast. And they weren't fasting to have the kids. They were like, hey, we're going on a fast and we're going to trust God that we're going to be able to get pregnant or anything like that. They were just on the fast trusting God and they got pregnant. And what's awesome about that is the scripture says that God knows the desires of your heart. So just by drawing near to him, God met them like, hey, in our drawing close to you, I'm going to give you a desire of your heart. And they weren't even like for it, you know, like they were for it, but they weren't like, this is what we're doing this for. And so just really cool, practical. Um, There's pastors and different people that we've connected with that the church has gone on a fast and a businessman randomly walks in and says, hey, do you think your church could use this building and gives them a building? I heard of a church in Brighton, Michigan that we're friends with. Um, Their church went on a fast. And a person went to the bank, not, not connected to the church at all, and left the bank like $250,000 and said, hey, the next church that comes in here needs a loan, just give them that money. So the church just walks into the bank and is like, hey, I need to talk to you about getting a loan. And they're like, well, here's $250,000. And it's a church that fasts and believes, believes God. And so I think there's so much power in fasting because it just says, hey, God, take away all of the distractions, all of the things um, I, I want to do something, push away some things that help me to get near to you. Amen? It's all throughout scripture. Solomon said this. He said, these three things create a threefold cord that is not easily broken. Uh, could, it be, could it be said that what he was talking about was prayer, fasting, and giving? Um, because it's all throughout there. Could it be also in Mark chapter 4, verse 8, I'm throwing out ideas. That's like I don't have any real concrete on this. But in Mark 4, 8, when it talks about the 30, 60, 100 fold, could that be tied to the same thing he was talking about? Prayer, fasting, and being a person who gives. Um, in Matthew, check out this story. There was a demon-possessed child. And in a few chapters earlier, Jesus says, I've given you all authority to his disciples to do what I do, cast out demons, heal the sick, all this kind of stuff. And in Matthew 17, verse 20, you see that it didn't work. Like it wasn't working for the disciples. They couldn't cast the demon out of this kid. And in Matthew 17, 20, it says, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So there's some things in our life 
that fasting helps us break through or get through. And I'm not saying God is up in heaven, like making puzzles for you, like I'm going to make it hard. And if they don't figure out this puzzle of they're never going to be happy, they're never going to, because he promises if you seek him first, everything will be added unto you. And so Jesus even understood that supernatural things happen through prayer and fasting. He went into the desert and fasted. Um, you look at some of the people who got off track in scripture, Adam and Eve, uh, it was a food thing. It was something in their life. It was a food thing. Jacob and Esau had a fall because there was a food thing. Um, Moses, when he got the Ten Commandments, was on a 40-day fast. Esther, when she saved her people, uh, the scripture said she went into a fast. And Hannah, like I even mentioned, was unable to have children, and they went on a fast. And so all throughout scripture, Jesus, Joshua, Moses, there's 21-day fast mentions, three-day fast. There's all kinds of fast mentioned in scripture. Why? because it should be a part of our life. Like if it's a big part of scripture, if it's a big part of how Jesus lived, then it should be a part of our Christian walk, amen? And so I know, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of put that in play in our life. What does it look like? How do I do it? I got a job and the kids to school and like all these kind of things. But my encouragement is the scripture said, when Jesus left the wilderness, he left with power. So he went on a fast and he left with power for you whether it be an addiction or financially you're bound or something in your life that's got you stuck, how incredible would it be if you said, hey God, I'm gonna choose to push this back and push this back to draw near to you and then God's power be, is released in your life and you see a breakthrough, amen? Also, for your kids, imagine just saying, hey kids, hey family, hey guys, let's get together. Let's do this as a family. Let's give up some wheel of fortune and let's, let's get rid of this and get rid of this and you know, study. Maybe you go through a couple things together. The, the kids curriculum that we're going to send out and the parent letters and stuff that you'll get brought home. Maybe you just say, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. And watch the power of God be released into your family. Amen? So keep in mind, if there's something that you say, I could never fast that, I would start praying about if that's the thing. If that's the thing. And so determine. Remember, if it costs you nothing, it accomplishes nothing. Be, can, you know, be thoughtful. And then husband and wives, I just, you need to know you can't fast each other. So <laughs> you need to know that. Abby, my sister-in-law, is uh, engaged to Daniel, who's going to be doing our addiction recovery ministry. And we were like, so are you going on the Daniel fast? Like, are you going to fast? <laughs> she said, I could never do that. And I was like, well, then that's the thing. <laughs> you need to. So Daniel's out on the street for 21 days. <laughs> My third thing and my last thing that I really want to encourage you in closing is you got to set a vision. You got to make a plan. Like, and we'll talk more about the God first life over the next couple of weeks, but you have to set a plan. It's like I said, the largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. And setting that vision helps you determine what it is and where you're going and how to get there. And so you say, Hey, this is where we want to end. Okay. Where do you start? And the scripture says this, Proverbs 29, 18, we all know this, where there is no vision, people perish. So you could say it like this, where there is no vision, people cease to exist or seek, cease to accomplish. As one of my leadership books says, um, if you have no vision, you cease to accomplish things in your life. You're, you just perish. You cease to accomplish things. Stuff don't come together. Because here's the deal with vision. Vision is important because it's a mental image of your future. I believe God gives you vision. 
God gives you plans and ideas and dreams to help forecast your future. Vision is a thought that demands a response. We have thoughts all the time, but you know what it is to actually get a vision, something that doesn't go away. It's like, oh, I got this vision. I'm going to do this thing. And so it's a thought that demands a response. Vision locates your potential and places it in your future. So it says, okay, this is where I am now, and this is my potential, and then I can see myself doing it here. Vision brings your destiny into emotional focus. Vision is the ability to see dangerous or destructive situations before they unfold. Vision gives you a reason to push things aside. So those last two statements there, um, vision gives you the ability to see dangerous and destructive situations before they unfold. I grew up in church, as you heard, uh, as you guys know. Grew up in church, parents of ministry, and um, in life, as I grew up in ministry and started to do things in ministry, I was able to push aside distractions of how I grew up and people I hung out with and things like this and that because I had a vision for my life. I knew where I wanted to go. I said, hey, these are the goals. This is the call of God on my life. And so it helps you do that. Hey, I'm not going to get caught up in those kinds of things, and I'm not going to mess with that. Why? Because I got this vision for what God wants me to do over here, and I'm going to protect it. And that's how we should be for our families, and that's how we should be in our lives is, hey, I'm going to set this vision, and these are the goals that I'm going to have this year. And not because I want to have a resolution or I want to just do this thing, but you're doing it. Because you're saying, hey, I want to protect what God's assignment is on my life for my life and for my community. Amen? Trav, you can come play. Leave you with this last thought. The scripture says this, and I didn't put it up on the screen, but it says, write the vision, make it plain uh, so that you'll have it. So that the scripture ends up saying so that it, it's clear, so that you have it, so that you can turn back to it. And uh, I want to encourage you somehow to do that. Um, I was at lunch a couple of days ago and just kind of talking over stuff with people. And uh, so it's like, hey, hey, where do we go? You know, like, what's next? And uh, what's great about vision is when you have it and you have your goals and you can say, boom, this is next. People are inspired by vision. And, and so you say, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not leading a thing. Well, you're probably leading a family or you're probably leading a circle of friends. And so everybody gets real caught up in like, how am I going to tell somebody about God? How am I going to lead somebody to God? How am I going to have a vision for your life? Because vision inspires people. So when people hear you talking about, yeah, I'm doing this and yeah, I'm doing this and they see you do those things, you don't even have to debate. There's not even an argument. It's like, hey, look what the Lord is doing in my life. It's pretty hard to argue evidence of God in somebody's life. Amen. And so I'm not up here trying to get you to like write a resolution or do anything like that, but I am I'm, I'm here to say, make some goals, like set some plans, put some things in black and white um, and, and look back at them as a husband and wife. Hey, this is important to us. Hey, we want our kids to know this at the end of the year. We want our community to know this. We want our neighborhood to know this. Not that you're like <laughs> running around like flashing bumper stickers and waving church flags in your yard, like, oh, people need to know this. Like, not, nothing crazy. But, but live in a way, put God first in a way that he comes alongside you and, and honors that. And uh, it'll be a great testimony to our community. Amen? Let's pray, and then I'll have you stand. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, we just ask that you give us vision, open our eyes, remove the distractions, all the things that try to clutter and pull us off our path of what you have. 
our destiny, our purpose, our passion. Lord, keep that clear in our eyes. Let our eyes stay fixed on you. Lord, through this fast, Lord, I ask that you give us a passion for prayer. Give us a passion for worship. Give us a passion to to seek you more than we ever have. Lord, let our time with you not just be a category or a half an hour, an hour that we do, and then we move on to the next thing. God, we ask that you're first in everything we do all throughout the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? When you stand, I'm going to ask that you still bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to I want to give one more prayer invitation before you leave. So don't make a lot of noise. I don't, I don't really want a lot of distractions because like I said, we're going to pray one more time. But if you're in here and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I'm in a place in life that seeking God, that's cool. And I hear what you're saying, but I've been away from God. He hasn't been a priority in my life. He, I haven't been maybe in a relationship or you haven't been in communication or you haven't been connected to God. Maybe you have been in the past. Maybe you never have at all. The good thing is you're in the right place. You're not, it's not an accident that you're here the first Sunday of the year. I think God has a plan for you to to see life change, to see growth. And so if you're here and you say, I hear what you're saying and I'd like to do that. I'd like to connect more with God. I'd like to choose him to be a part of my life. And so if you're here, you say, that's me. I want to become a Christ follower. I want to make a change today in my life that put God puts God first. And you want to choose to become a Christian, someone who follows God and puts him first. Um, we can pray that prayer with you. The scripture says, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a simple prayer. I won't have you leave your seat. I won't have you do anything that will single you out or embarrass you. Um, everybody's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed. So this is between me, you, and God. I'll acknowledge your hand. I'll ask you to raise it on the count of three in just a minute. Um, I'll acknowledge it and then I'll lead you in a prayer. But I believe it's the beginning of life change for you. The life you've probably been looking for, putting God first and seeing everything else added unto you. So with nobody looking around, if you're in here and you say, hey, Pastor Josh, would you pray that prayer with me? I want to make a change today. I want to put God first. I want to make him Lord of my life. If that's you on three, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Anybody in here see that hand? Anybody else? See that hand? Anybody else? We have some time. Just take a minute and kind of just hear from God. If you feel like there's a tug, like, hey, that's me. I need to make that commitment. I need to just slip your hand up and I can pray with you. Like I said, you won't leave your seat. Cool. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody staying right where they are. I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand to repeat this prayer after me. It's the prayer of salvation or some people would call it the sinner's prayer. And basically what it does is this. It acknowledges God as your Lord and Savior and you just ask him to forgive you of your sins. We don't call out any sins or confess anything like that. But all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, if you choose him as Lord and Savior, there's forgiveness of your sins. And so all of us together as a church body, let's just repeat, repeat this prayer. And if you raised your hand, pray this prayer and mean it in your heart, and you'll see life change. Let's all this, say this. Say, God, today I choose you as Lord and Savior. Help me to seek you first in all my ways. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be new in Jesus' name.